0: The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Karelis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I'm your host, Barry Karelis, and you are listening to Pa to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 18 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, everybody. I hope that you are doing well. Thank you for coming back for another episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. My voice is a little scratchy tonight because I have just been going nonstop. Um, but, you know, nothing unusual. I'm actually kind of fascinated that um, I've been able to stay as busy as I am, um, considering that like things are still kind of locked down. But seems like there, we may be coming out of... Uh, lockdown in certain ways here in New York, um, in the near future, because they, there was, uh, I guess a football game that they tested out back in January. And now they're going to open up arenas to like 10% capacity. And I, I read another article in the news about how, um, they're hoping to bring back, uh, small audiences to Broadway and theaters in New York, um, with like testing, like you would get tested before you went in the theater, but, um, yeah, I've been pretty busy. Um, what have I been up to? So in exciting news, actually, what was the inspiration for this podcast today? Um, I choreographed a pas de deux uh, called Roses Are Red Butts, and it will have a digital premiere on uh, Valentine's Day. That's 2-14-21. That's, I think, Sunday. Yeah, it's Sunday. Um, but I, I've i been doing solos for quite a while because we've been workshopping our Land of the Sweets Uh Nut, immersive nutcracker. So I've been doing a lot of solos. And then this summer, we also did our love letter performances, which while uh, it was group work, it felt like a lot of solo work too, because nobody could touch each other. But I, I realized, I, like I wanted to do something with two people and where I could actually have them touch each other. And I, I remembered that one of our company artists, Weston Croco, um, his partner uh, is also a dancer he's not he's not a dancer with movement headquarters but um, they live together and they can touch each other because they're lovers <laughs> but yeah so um, I actually brought Ted in his, his partner as a guest artist Ted Keener um, and choreographed the pas de Deux. we threw it together in nine hours no it was eight hours of rehearsal like six six minutes of choreography um, and we're supposed to have more, but there was a, a blizzard here in New York. It's been crazy the past few weeks. Um, lots of snow. But so I, I developed this pas de deux, and it's, um, it's about how... Um, all love is not seen equally and how those of us in the LGBTQ plus community um, are often afraid to show affection in public because we're afraid of being verbally or physically physically attacked. So um, it's very emotional work. And I think it's a very poignant and uh, point work as well as touching um so yeah that will premiere on uh february 14th we it, it'll be available for free to everybody um though we will be taking donations to help support our work um if anybody wants to be a part of that also we're releasing it early to our patreon subscribers um and so if you want to join our patreon and get that early you better get on it it's a uh, www.patreon.com forward slash movement H Um, and we're off- offering our land of the sweets content on there as well. So yeah, that's really exciting. I, I haven't really created a dance for film in this way. Um, I've done it on my own, but I actually had a, a, a team with me that's been helping me out. So it's been exciting. Other than that, I am teaching virtual classes on every Friday uh, from 6.45 to 8 p.m. I'm teaching beginner ballet classes over Zoom. Um, We've had a good group going for that. Uh, They're $14. And if you want to reach out to me on my social media, you can DM me, uh, direct message me, and I can give you information about that. Um, Other than that, yeah, other things like... Other things are brewing. I just, I'm not ready to talk about those things yet. So I'm um, just hoping things open up soon. Oh, and I am, uh, I am uh, eligible to get a vaccine starting on Monday, the 15th, which is super exciting. Um, but here in New York, it's probably going to be like April by the time I get it if they don't get more vaccines. But I'm asthmatic, so I'm excited to finally start uh, getting in heading in that direction and hopefully being less fearful of the world and the state of the world. But yeah, okay, so because we filmed this, uh, Roses Are Red Butt, dot, 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 um, this past weekend, I was thinking so many people have transitioned to digital dance this past year with uh, the pandemic. And I mean, it, it obviously all started with uh, just teaching and trying to stay connected. Um, and then uh, from there because we couldn't have live performances, a lot of a lot of performances have turned digital. So, um, I did do a project back in uh 2015, and uh, if you've been with me for a while on Pod chat, um, <laughs> then you'll know about this. But uh, it was called Choreography, C O R Dashography and it was, I was essentially, uh, there were little mini documentaries, uh, with dancers across the country. And what we would do is we would, uh, go dive deep into a topic that was like at the core of who they were as a human being. And I would interview them. And then from the interview, we would use that as inspiration to, uh, create a piece of choreography. And then I interlace it all together. So, um, I have worked in this format before and I'm really glad that I did this back then because I I had a better understanding as we've gone into it now. But, um, I, uh, I hadn't done something that was like just purely dance. Like before it was like interviews and dance. Now it's like just purely dance. So, um, I, it's definitely been a process and I've seen a lot of other people go through this process over the past, uh, more six months or so. Um, And I was thinking for anybody who has been considering creating a a work for a a digital work, like a film, a dance film, dance on film or uh, something in that capacity. I was thinking I would just offer some uh, tips for things that I learned um, while filming this work. So that's today's topic. We're going to talk about... uh, dance on film. So um, when I first did, I guess we're getting started. I'm just getting right into it. When I first did choreography, um, I didn't really know how to fundraise. um, And I didn't really know how to go about doing this. So I pretty much did it all by myself. Also at this time, like I said, if you've been following me already knows, but at this time I had been freelancing uh, for four years and I was just coming out of my freelance career and I'd been traveling and I really didn't have a community. Um, I mean, I was like a part of the greater dance community, um, in the country and I was kind of a part of the Philadelphia dance community, but in reality, because I was traveling so much everywhere, um, I didn't have what I would consider a home base for dance. Um, crush dance companies started to become that, Um, but I, I really just felt alone and I didn't know how to collaborate. I I was just like, I'm going to do this all on my own, which for a handful of years, like I did everything on my own. And I, it's actually like one of my finer qualities and one of my worst qualities because I will push through things and not ask for help. Um, but yeah, I've been lucky that's changed recently, but so I, I was okay. I don't know how to film, but I'm going to get a camera. And I'm going to figure it out. Okay. I don't know how to edit dance, but I'm going to get everything, get all the footage and I'm going to figure it out. Um, and I don't know how to promote it. Same, same deal, all that stuff. Um, so I'm really glad that I went through that because it gave me uh, an understanding of different aspects of uh, creating dance for film. But um I didn't feel like I was necessarily super fine-tuned at, at certain things. So like I was a fine at videography, but I wasn't great. Um I thought I was I, I actually feel like I'm pretty good at editing, but then um in this process of getting this piece together, I'm realizing that there's a lot that I still have to learn with editing. So um choreography, I think I I think I've got that pretty well uh like understood. Of course, there's always gonna be room for growth with that, but I think obviously being a dancer, being a choreographer, um, and working in that capacity that obviously those are my strong points and where I am now in my career, like I'd really rather, I I don't want to just be like one track, but I'd really rather focus on the choreography and let people that are really good at the other aspects take the reins. And that's kind of what we've done this time. So with all that said, um, the first thing that I really learned in this process is that, um, it's really helpful if you hire somebody to do the things that you aren't so good at or that you don't yet have a grasp of. Um so uh like for instance with editing, I thought I was really great at editing but now I'm learning I'm just good. Um and I'm glad that I've collaborated on this um because I'm learning more as I go. Uh if you don't have money yet, like if if you're trying to do this like grassroots and you don't quite have the money, you can always offer your services for trade. Um, And what that means is essentially like, maybe there's a videographer that really wants experience working with dance and um, maybe they're also interested in dance and you can give them private lessons. Um, Or maybe if they are... if they help you with your dance film, maybe if they need help with choreography for something, then you offer your services for free. So um, there, there can be some back and forth, but really I've learned that if you collaborate with people who are more experienced in areas, um, one of two things can happen. Either you can just like give them that responsibility or you can sort of shadow them along the way and you can uh, learn as you go so that in the future you can save on it um, and you can do more of the work. It really just depends where you are. I have too many like facets of my career right now. Um, I'm so overwhelmed. I need an assistant so badly. And I'm not saying that in like, oh my God, I need an assistant. Like, I think I'm actually going to have to hire an assistant in the next six months to start to take over some of uh, the work that I'm doing that's taking away from letting me focus on what I'm doing or what, 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 I, what I really feel I should be doing. But yeah, so um, don't be afraid to really like go out of your comfort zone and hire somebody. Yeah, do your homework. Don't just like, don't just like Google and go for the first person. Or if you go through your friend list or you start doing research on Instagram, i um, just make sure you 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 find somebody who is willing to trade or who who you can afford, but that is also like a credible artist. Um, if you do want to learn on your own. Um, you definitely do need to do research before you do your project. Don't, don't learn as you go. Um, So, I mean, I'm saying that like, if the big project, if you like, you can do little projects to learn as you go, but if it's like something that you're really hoping to put together and maybe like submit to film festivals, or if you're asking for like paid ticketed, ticketed, uh, like links, um, really, try to figure it out a little bit beforehand. So do some research, um, make sure you purchase like an appropriate camera. Um, you, you're gonna wanna make sure that you have the appropriate editing software and I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, and if you don't know, you can always ask to shadow somebody um, whose work you, res- you respect. So um, it's not as straightforward as picking up your phone camera I'm I'm sure you could do that, but it's just gonna it's gonna lower the quality of your work. Um, but it's not as simple as like doing a TikTok or a, an Instagram reel um, or anything like that. You, you're it's you're gonna want to do some research. I also recommend doing some research on other dance films. Like I I I was checking out. Uh, I think it's Jacob Jonas the company. Um, he's been doing some dance works. And I I haven't seen them yet, but I know Wim Wim in Seattle. It's Wim with him, but like W apostrophe him. Um, they're doing their entire season digitally. I think Ballet X in Philadelphia is as well. And then other companies are also doing stuff. So don't just be like, I'm going to do a thing. Do your research um, and get, a, get an idea of what other people are doing. You don't have to copy them, but it's like, I tell everybody in, in, in dance in my, when I'm teaching, like, you got to learn the rules before you can break the rules. All right. So that's my recommendation for that there. Okay. So this is one thing that I've really learned. The next thing, um, especially as we've been, uh, we've been developing these Patreon videos, um, for Atlanta, the sweets, um, every like month or month and a half, I do two of the um, the um, rooms, the scenes in Land of the Suites. Um, and we each dancer does choreography separately. And then we interview them separately. But we try to do that all in one day. Um, because uh, it's just more economical for us. So um, I'm always thinking, like, okay, I need at least an hour and a half to film this dancer, an hour and a half to film this dancer, and then an hour to interview each. So that's three hours, that's four hours, that's five hours. But we never have enough time. I never budget enough time. So make sure that you always give yourself more time than you think you're going to need. Um Like I said, each and every time I filmed, I think I'm giving myself time for a cushion. But what I, I'm starting to realize is that there's all we always need more than I think. Um and a big part of that is because there's actually a significant amount of time required for setup. Um, and if you have to set up more than once, it's uh, really about the same amount of time each time you have to set up a new scene. So when we do uh, Land of the Suites, it's two dance scenes. So that's two different setups. And then we have the interviews. We try to do like a dancing first then the interviews one after the other, so we don't have to set up again for the interviews, and that saves us a lot of time. But, like, it usually takes about an, a half hour to an hour set up for, and this is, like, minimal lights um, and doing it outside of a dance studio and like, a non-traditional setting in a photo studio. Um, what we did this weekend um, for Roses Are Red, but um, we actually rented the facility at ballet. It's, it's ballet arts. Um, it's at city center. So we were in like the gorgeous iconic studios, uh, of city center, which are mostly closed now. Um, and they're huge. They're iconic. Like George Balanchine, uh, started rehearsing New York city ballet here. And that was their theater before they got Lincoln center. Um, so that's New York city ballet. If you are not, (laughs) if you don't know who George Balanchine is, you got to Google it, do your research. But New York City Ballet used to rehearse there. So they're they're beautiful studios. Um, So we rented the place from 4.30 to 8.30, um, ended up staying till nine. But when we got there, uh, Stephen Reed, the owner of Ballet Arts, wonderful guy, he said, we have some some lighting that you can use, which was really unexpected. So we ended up setting up the lighting, setting up camera angles, um, making sure the costumes fit with the lights, shifting this around, moving that around um, we had to actually pull a bunch of stuff out of a corner and then put it back. Um, so at first it felt like, Oh, we have four hours. We have plenty of time. And then by like the last hour, I realized we had, we needed so much more time, um, than we actually had. We made it work. Um, but if you think you need two hours, give yourself four hours. If you think you need six, give yourself eight. If you think you need like 10, definitely split it up into two days and give yourself like six to seven hours each day because you're gonna have to set up again from the beginning. So um, yeah, always give yourself more time than you think you're going to need because when it comes to filming, because it's not like a performance where like you take class to warm yourself up. Maybe you go through a, little, a few things, you go, you put on your makeup and costumes and you come on it's curtain, you perform and when it's over, you bow And it's done and you like take your makeup off and go home. It's not as straightforward. (laughs) Um, I'm going to talk this about this in a second, but, um, you can do the same scene or the same movement over and over and over and over again until you get the, you need the right thing. And also depending on how picky the director is and the choreographer is, you could do something a lot. Um, so, uh, you, and you might do like a wide shot and then a close shot. And then, yeah, so I'm going to get to that in a second. But just allot yourself more time. I promise you, you're, you're going to be grateful for it. The worst thing that happens is that you, uh, you finish early. What a horrible, horrible thing. Way better than uh, going way over, um, especially if you're renting a space like we were. And there was a time that we had to be out of there by. So make sure you do that. All right, now let's talk a little bit about like actual filming. If you think you got your shots, like if you are the choreographer, the director, or the videographer, if you think you got the shot that you're looking for, um, and that's like, say that you wanted to, I'll, I'll say this, there was a kiss that we had uh, that happens in towards the middle end of uh, this pas de deux that I choreographed. And we did it from far away. We did it close up where you could see their entire bodies. And then we did it like really close up where you just could see like from their belly buttons up. Um, and then we did it from behind. And then we did it wrapping around. Um, if you think you got your shot, try it one or two more times. It's always better to have too much footage than to not have enough because it's like wasted footage, you just like throw it away or put it on your heart, your an external hard drive and save it for uh, a commemorative time, <laughs> 20 years later, look at what, everything I've created, this little piece here, there's a little clip of that. Um, you're. It, it, it's always good to get something multiple times because sometimes there are little nuances that you don't recognize, especially if you're not working in like a big format where you can see like what you're filming on a large screen. For most of us that are gonna be filming, we're gonna be filming on a camera where you have like a, a small screen that you look at, uh, to, to see through and you don't necessarily see all the details. So maybe like, for example, we have a moment at the beginning of the pas de deux where the dancer makes eye contact with the lens of the camera. So it looks like somebody is like looking at them. And, um, we did it only, I think we did it like twice close up and it was just so overly dramatic and overacted. I mean, it was my fault, but, um, I wanted something and it didn't read the way that I wanted to. I wish we had done it like five times because we ended up having to take a shot that was further away and zoom in to make it happen. Um, ended up working out perfectly fine, but, uh, luckily we had other footage that we could work with. So, uh, I really recommend that you get more than one shot of something, um, from a certain angle so that you have options, uh i'm always tempted to call it when i think we've got the shot because i get excited but i'm learning to like temper my excitement and to do it again not feel like it's like the best performance ever and then move on um and that way you're never left with uh, a spot where there's just not great footage or it's not getting across the way that you want it to um yeah so there's that then also moving on don't be afraid to film from different angles so i discussed this a little bit already um, concert dance is always filmed from the front. Well, not filmed, like always viewed from the front. Um, but uh, as dancers, we tend to want to film from the front. And I mean, I'm guilty of this too. Looking at the footage that we have for this, there are some moments where I'm like, I wonder what, what w- would have happened if we filmed it from the back or from down to up or from above. We don't have the equipment for that, for that, to make that happen. But um, maybe just... <laughs> think of angles that you wouldn't necessarily think of from concert dance because you might find some moments from less commonly used angles that are really actually interesting. So get close up, go as far away as possible, film it from behind. You can rotate around the dancers. Um, if they're if they're turning around, you can rotate with them or you can try and rotate the opposite direction of where they're going. Um, and just play with it. The worst, as, as long as... <laughs> You should, if you're filming yourself, make sure you have tons of memory, make sure you have multiple batteries and they're all charged and that you have a charger and you can charge them. Um, if you have all of that and you're not like restricted by memory and uh, time because your, your battery is going to die, um, don't be afraid to get tons of footage that you're not going to use. Because now that I'm learning more about uh, film, I am... positive that these people making big movies out in Hollywood probably have so much wasted footage and so many scenes that they've done again and again and again. Um... So don't be afraid to have too much footage. It, it really, it's okay. And even if it's an angle that you don't think would work, play with it because you may realize it's actually a way better angle or really unique, interesting angle that you don't think anybody would have, have done before. And it might actually really just uh, help pull you out of the crowd because so many people are making dance on film right now. All right, What's next? Oh, make sure you scout your locations ahead of time. Um, so I've been working with a fantastic uh, photographer, videographer, and she's really great at editing. Liz, Liz Schneider Cohen. She's become a a very uh, she's been become a one of the number one people that I collaborate with, um, and I've learned so much from her. And it's interesting. So she, we. We had our blizzard and she was saying how it would be just lovely if we could get some of the footage in the snow. But we didn't plan ahead for it because we didn't really realize that the blizzard was going to be as bad as it was. Initially, like the day before, it was like five to eight inches and it was like eight to 12 then 12 to 16, then 18 to 24. I think in my neighborhood, we got about 20 inches of snow. Um, So also they shut down public transportation and I live in Queens. She lives in Manhattan and the two dancers live in, in, uh, Jersey. So we couldn't coordinate it. It wasn't going to work, but she asked them to get, to get somebody to go out and film them on their phones and get footage. And, um, the footage was interesting, but we, we didn't scout a location and just like there were wires everywhere above. Um, there were like houses that weren't that nice. Like it just wasn't, thought out enough for it to seem relevant to what we were doing. And I, I felt, I felt like if we put that footage into the film that it, it, it didn't, it didn't have purpose. It was just like to, because it was like a fun idea. So, um, Make sure you scout your locations ahead of time. You want to think about different things. If you're not going to do it in a dance studio, you need to think about these things. Um, Think about the surface of the ground. You need to think about the temperature, uh, especially if it's going to be outside. Um, If you are filming outside, how does the weather affect things if you film outside? Um, If it's cloudy... Is it going to be easier to film versus when it's bright? Because when it's bright, if you have the sun behind you, then it's you end up in shadows. Maybe you can use that to your benefit, or maybe it's not what you're looking for. Um, or where are you filming? What's the color of the background? What What is the skin color of your dancers? What is the, the costume and the color of the costumes? Um, it, do you need a permit to be there? Um, or can you? if you do need a permit, can you sneak it really quickly without a permit? Um, don't, don't tell anybody I said that. Um, but yeah, there, there are so many different things that you need to consider. So you want to make sure that you've got your location ahead of time, um, and start to like, maybe if it's outside, you, you go there like four different times of the day. Maybe you go on a cloudy day on a sunny day. Um, all of those different things. You want to make sure that there's thought into the location that you're in. Yes. Every once in a while, there is a moment that you just happen to find this beautiful, uh, like the the golden hour the sun is pretty much like gone beyond the horizon um but there is like a glow on the buildings and it's not going to backlight it so you can see the dancers but there's like this gorgeous like golden hue um those things do happen and they're magical but for the most part you're going to want to plan out what you're doing and that way it's safe for your dancers um but beyond that um you are as prepared as possible to utilize your time as best as you can and not have to have stressful changes last second while you're in the process of setting up um, and filming. So yeah, scout your locations ahead of time. Um, oh, this is an important one because I didn't realize this the first time I did a, a dance on film. Um, I was a part of this thing. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want you to find it. Um, <laughs> but it I was in Philadelphia and they hired a ton of dancers to do this uh, thing. And it was an awful experience for me. And um, aside from the fact that it was really poorly r- managed... Um, Part of the reason that it wasn't that great of an experience was because I was, I didn't know what it was like to film for dance. And I think that especially concert dancers, dancers who are used to performing on stage and not necessarily on film, um, they don't recognize this. So if you are creating this, you need to tell your dancers this. If you're a dancer, this is something you need to, you need to know, um, the, you, dancers, uh, sorry, when you're filming, you're going to be repeating choreography over and over and over again. Um, it's kind of like if you look at, I, I recognize it's actually looking at the blooper reels for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia because I love that sh- I love that show. It makes me laugh. It reminds me of home. Um, but uh, if you watch the blooper reels, you see how, that, how many takes they sometimes, I mean, you don't see all of the takes, but you see how many takes it sometimes gets or they, how many takes they need to get the shot that they're getting. Dancers are going to be repeating choreography over and over and over again. Um, If it's simple choreography, it's not that big of a deal. But if you're jumping or if you're doing some extreme lifting, um, you might have to do that 15 to 20 times. Um... And a lot of dancers don't realize that. It's it's not that big of a deal if you're an actor because for the most part, it's not gonna be like so physically, uh, you're not gonna exert so much physically. But when it comes to dance, you might be doing a lot. It's kind of like if you've done a photo shoot, every time I've done a photo shoot, I always end up ridiculously sore. Sometimes I feel like I'm on the verge of injury after a photo shoot because you just do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And it's hard to stay warm Um so yeah, you wanna prepare your dancers to let them know that they're, they need to stay warm. Um, they need to be ready to do things over and over and over again. If they're not prepared for that mentally and they're not prepared for that physically, it's gonna be a really hard day for them and it's gonna add stress into the shoot and there's also gonna be the potential for injury. So if your dancers aren't well-versed in film, you have to tell them that. Um, so it might be worthwhile to actually practice that beforehand. Um, you could have them do something and you could pretend you're holding a camera or you could even use your iPhone. Um, and then you could say, okay, now do this. I'm gonna do it from this angle. No, do this. We're gonna try this. Okay, just do this. I'm gonna get really close. Um, have them practice that. Have them practice where they're gonna look. Do they look at the lens? Do they look slightly above the lens? Do they look past the lens? Do they ignore the lens? Um, and also remind your dancers that they should continue to dance even if something goes wrong, um, or if the camera goes down for a second, I mean, if, pretty much unless they say cut, they should keep on going because maybe the videographer was like zoomed in on just their face. And even though something happened with their legs, that wasn't the real choreography, maybe the emotion was exactly what they were looking for. So the dancer needs to make sure that they continue to dance until it's very clear that, uh, the director, the videographer, the choreographer, whoever's calling the shots, um, until they say cut, um, or stop or whatever language you choose to use as a code to that you're done getting the shot that you're looking for. Um, there are more, uh, dance on film classes now in, in commercial programs and, and, uh, like university programs, but there's actually not a lot, um, in education when it comes to dance on film, especially in like the pre-college levels, um, so that's something definitely to keep in mind. You might even want to consider looking into having a workshop on dance and film. It's really interesting, um, especially for me coming from a concert dance background where um, we actually saw, in my generation, we saw the rise of YouTube. Um, I remember a little side anecdote, Anecdote. I can't speak, um, a little side anecdote is uh, I mean, I was on social media and I was getting into it before a lot of people were in the company at Pacific Northwest Ballet. And this is like as the rise of social media was happening. And um, PNB, Pacific Northwest Ballet, had gotten a grant to bring in uh, somebody for a year to really build their social media presence. And a part of that was they joined, they created a YouTube account for PNB, which is funny out of all the companies in the United States, they probably have one of the biggest followings now because they started so early. But so they, they were going to do these dancer interviews and um, the company was kind of like burnt out on being filmed because we had done a uh, an infomercial for Clarisonic and they followed us around forever. And then we were also shadowed um, by this guy named Stephen Maines um, who wrote a book that was essentially it was like a reality TV show, but in a book format about a season with Pacific Northwest Ballet um, when snowflakes dance and swear. I am quoted in it saying a few things that <laughs> I go I cringe at, but I mean you know I'm candid. That's what I do. But so anyway, we were kind of burnt out on being shadowed. So when this this uh, person came in and was like, "I want to do dancer uh, features," uh, nobody wanted to do it. But I was like, "I'll do it." I was actually the first dancer feature. And get this, they put it up, and then when I left the company, they took it down. But all the principals that that were there that did it after uh, I did it, but then they left the company their films are still up. So shade on that. <laughs> but anyway, I was game for it. Um, and yeah, so I, I think it was, it was interesting because um, we were used to like getting to do our thing and like getting to make our mistakes and go through our learning process and privacy and then getting to go on stage like all polished and looking great. But these days, like we're so used to a camera being uh, around us that it's like just a natural thing. But yeah, um, even if you do Instagram and you do uh, TikTok and things like that, um, it's, it's not always exactly the same. It might give some more information, but it might be good for you to uh, maybe invest in some workshops or seminars and uh, dance on film. And that could be from either the dancer's perspective or from the, the videographer and choreographer's perspective. All right. I'm almost to the end here. So, um, what is next? Uh, make sure that you give yourself plenty of time for post-production. That's your editing, adding the music into the film, marketing, etc. Um, this really is the most intensive part of the process. It takes the most time because you have to sift through all of the different, um, you have to sift through all of the different clips and figure out what footage you want to use. And then you have to like tie it together you have to layer the music onto it if you're going to add any other effects to that and then obviously like opening credits final credits um, getting it online um, so we actually <laughs> because of the snowstorms our production got pushed forward by a week And that left us, that's left us only like really five days to get everything together from when we filmed it. So we're really in a crunch. Actually, I paused and got confused like 10 seconds ago, 30 seconds ago, because I just got a text message from our videographer. Um, She's editing right now, and I'm going to get off this podcast and we're going to get on Zoom call and do the final touches on on this dance film. Um, So we're in a crunch time, but honestly, like, you're really going to want to give yourself as much time as possible for post-production. If it's like a three-minute film, just depending on how intensive the work is and how much you're putting into it, like you're going to have to give yourself at least a week. If it's six minutes, give yourself two weeks. Um, If it's going to be like a 20-minute, 30-minute production, you're going to need a lot more time than that. So um, again, it's always better to have it done early and sit on it than it is to like have to rush into the last second to put it together. Um, That's no fun. So give yourself plenty of time to film, <laughs> but then at the end, give yourself more time for post-production because um, a lot can go wrong during that time. And also like say that something horrible goes wrong with your uh, your footage, you're gonna want you're gonna need to film it again. So all right, um, almost at the end, what type of software do I recommend? I use Final Cut Pro. I, I got a grant to get that back in 2015. Um, and that has been really helpful. Uh, some people do just use iMovie, but if you're really investing in a a good product, I would recommend Final Cut Pro. I don't know anything for like something that's not a Mac. Um, so you can do your own research for that, but I, I definitely recommend software wise Final Cut Pro. Um, and if you, if you don't understand how it works, don't be afraid to ask somebody for help. Um, Liz, our videographer, she's been editing and she actually has brought in an assistant who's really good at Final Cut Pro and he's been helping walk her through different things that she doesn't understand. She's already really good at it, um, but he's been helping her with that. Um, and again, you can pay somebody to do that. You can do an exchange. Uh, but worse comes to worst, we live in this amazing world where you can just hop on YouTube um, or you can Google and find blogs with step-by-step uh, explanations. YouTube is super helpful. Um, learning how to do transitions, um, learning how to uh, get the sound out of your your footage and putting light like, layering other sound into it um, or uh, creating movement so that even if you have like a still image that it looks like your camera is moving from here to there. That I think it's called keyframes. Um, so yeah, there's so much that you can learn. uh on your own, you don't necessarily have to go and hire somebody. Um, but just know that it's going to be an investment. It's going to take time. If you're not really adept at technology, it's going to be harder for you. But if you have a, have a, if you've learned like how to do, do a TikTok reel, honestly, I think you can learn how to use Final Cut Pro. Um, So yeah, dance on film, it's like becoming a thing. And I'll be curious that when we open fully back up um, to see how much dance on film remains, obviously there will be more, but I'm curious if companies are going to always do a digital season um, or if it'll be like interspersed throughout seasons instead of it be like concurrent, like a separate digital season and a separate performance, like stage season. So Yeah. This is what I have learned and what I am learning as I am uh, exploring dance on film. It's really a fun process. It's a different process and you have to use your creativity in a different way. Um, Obviously, like choreography is like 3D. It's like 360 degrees. But when it comes to film, uh, you can think of it not just facing one direction. Um, You think about it like a theater in the round from every direction. Um, and it, it definitely it, it pushes you outside of your, your comfort zone and uh, shows you that even on stage in a, a format where you're facing the front, maybe we're limiting ourselves. And I'll be curious to see if it influences my choreography outside of just film. So, yeah, I hope that this helps you if you have been considering doing dance on film. Um, if you have any questions, you know how to reach out to me. I'll mention it in my outro um, coming up. If you want to see, uh, roses are red, but dot dot dot. Um, roses are red, but, um, it releases on Sunday. It'll be on our YouTube channel, Movement Headquarters. Um, and if you have any questions, you can reach out to me on my Instagram or my Facebook. Um, we will be putting this out for free. But if you'd like to make a donation to help support our company and to support this work, um, uh, I can also give you information on how to do that. Uh, we're so grateful for all of the contributions that we've gotten over the past year i can't believe it's almost been a year as this pandemic continues on so thank you everybody for supporting us through that all right that's going to be the end of this week's podcast episode i hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of pod chat talking dance if there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlos.com that's not it it's www.barrycorlos.com again that's www.barrycorlos.com uh i also you can check out my company movement headquarters ballet company and that's at www.movementhqballet.org you can reach out on those websites if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements i hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me if you enjoyed this chat please feel free to share rate and review our podcast on itunes every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B Corollas, or on Twitter at Bariscos. You can also follow Movement Headquarters on Instagram at movement underscore headquarters. Also be sure to check out my blogs. I have like a freelance dancer where I wrote for five years about working as a freelance artist the nation i also have dancing off stage and that on on there i wrote about the post-performance careers of professional dancers you can also check out my choreography on youtube and my channels are b corollas and movement headquarters thanks for listening to pot of chats i hope you return two weeks from this friday to talk dance with me and remember to go out and support your local dance scene